stepped off of a merry-go-round but in fact all i've been doing is paying attention to the news today and it is like a crazy amusement park ride one that i increasingly want to get off of and stay off of but you know it's part of the job closing argument my name is walter hudson twin cities news talk am 11 fm streaming at twincitiesnewstalk.com and your iHeartRadio app we are here nine to eleven weeknights appreciate you tuning in you can catch up on past programs including clips and interviews like the one we're about to have here on the program with a VIP by searching for Closing Argument in your iHeartRadio app, and our channel will pop right up. Our number, if you care to join us tonight, 651-989-5855. Brad Omland taking those calls and producing the show. To start off our time together this evening, we have with us on the line Republican candidate for governor of the state of Minnesota, Jeff Johnson, welcome to Closing Argument, sir. Thanks, Walter. Good to be on. It's been a while since we've chatted. I think the last time I talked to you was before the primary. I think that's right. Yeah, and a lot has happened, obviously, between then and now. (laughs) Give us a quick update on where we're at with the campaign, and then I want to get into the news from today, which was (laughs) stunning. Um. Yeah, the the campaign is going extremely well. We're actually almost exactly halfway through the general election from the primary, which six weeks ago yesterday, and it was was six weeks from yesterday. So we're halfway there. Um, just had a great fundraising report. We got over a million dollars cash on hand, and that continues to get even better so we're on tv we'll be on tv heavy the rest of the way we'll be heavy radio in greater minnesota um heavy digital as well and there just continues to be this enthusiasm all over the state for change for something different so i feel great we just got to keep working and i got to make sure our message gets out yeah, those fundraising numbers were impressive, and I do want to come back around to talking about those and uh, the the context of the campaign. But before we get there, you had a Facebook post earlier today uh, wherein you disclosed a truly remarkable story related to your campaign. Rather than read it, I got you on the line. Why don't you just tell us what happened? Sure. So this happened to Donna Bergstrom, who's my running mate. Donna lives up in Duluth. And that was a, a few days ago. And uh, she has a tracker up there that sometimes shows up at, you know, where she is, but also, I think, tracks um, for Radinovich. And just um, so, just to interrupt you real quick, for those who don't know, a tracker yeah. is somebody who is hired by the opposing campaign, by the Democrats, to follow around candidates and basically record and keep track of everything that they do for opposition research purposes. Yeah, in hopes they say something stupid or right. something that can be misconstrued. Um, and so anyway, I've met this tracker, and Donna, we, you get to know your trackers. It's just right. the way of life. Yep. And uh, oftentimes, you know, you actually have a decent relationship with the trackers, even though they're trying to do something somewhat nefarious, and both sides do it. Um, and so anyway, she came home uh late one evening and the tracker was actually in her house sitting in the living room with her husband and her 13 year old son he had come to the door 
and uh, said his phone was dead and he needed to call somebody to get a ride, call his dad to get a ride. Um, and um, her husband didn't know he was a tracker, nor did he disclose that. So he right. actually came in the house, and she came home, and he was sitting there. And so, you know, Donna Donna is not easily rattled. She's a former lieutenant colonel in the Marines, so she pulled him outside and talked to him and asked to see his phone, and it truly was dead. Um, and then uh, waited outside until his dad came, because he did come inside the house and called his dad and, and sent him on his way. But you know, about as inappropriate and wrong as you can possibly get. And, you know, as I mentioned in the post, we're, we're at a point now where the left is literally chasing candidates and their families out of restaurants mm. and harassing them. And, yeah. I mean, this is beyond the pale. Um, and so, you know, the kid's 15 years old. Mm. Um, so it, it does beg the question, why in the world the DFL is having a 15-year-old do tracking for them? That is, is insane and wrong in and of itself. Um, so we've chosen not to release his name because, you know, I've yeah. had teenage boys and they do really right. stupid and inappropriate things sometimes. But we also wanted to make it crystal clear that, you know, this is the tactics of the left. And if something like this happens again, um, it, you know, we're, we're not going to just say something about it on Facebook, we'll get police involved and everything else. It's just totally inappropriate. Yeah, it is absolutely stunning that the notion that that somebody would, under false pretenses, enter your home in an effort to gain opposition research. It brings sleaze down to a whole new level. Yep. And, and as you say, this is indicative of where we find ourselves right now in terms of where the left is at. It's just no holds barred. And I describe it as total war. They, there are no rules. They've decided that they're going to salt the earth and and uh you know step over our our political remains and so in that context you know we hear every cycle kind of on a perennial basis you always hear this is the most important election in the history of the world in the history of your life but i've been telling folks i've been telling our listeners this time around that there's no hyperbole to that like there's a real sense of high stakes in this election both nationally and here in the state of minnesota from your perspective you're out there every day you're talking to folks how would you describe how do you describe the stakes of this election yeah you know i i, I actually bring this up all the time i say you know every election i've ever been involved with politicians say this might be the most important election of our lifetime Um, and so i try not to use that hyperbole and i've never used it in a race that i've been part of before Mm. but this one is as important as i can remember for a statewide race Um, you can look at presidential races and and say they probably have they certainly have more consequence but this one for the state of minnesota um, we have just had eight years of, I mean, the, the, the state has changed dramatically in eight years, particularly government and the, you know, the, the, the attitude and the culture in our state government, the growth of government, the, the um, uh, reducing of people's liberty in this state, the fact that government is completely unaccountable. And if we have four more years of that, or God forbid, eight more years of that, I, I really, truly believe that we will be so far down the road to California or Illinois mm. that it may be tough to come back, and it won't be the state that any of us grew up in, uh, nor will it be a state that a lot of us want to hang around anymore. So to me, as somebody who wants to live here the rest of my life and somebody who wants my kids to choose to be here and raise a family, um, it is as important as I can imagine because we 
I look at where Walls wants to take the state. I mean, he, he media likes to portray him as a moderate from southern Minnesota. Right. Um, but look at the promises he has made. Right. They are, he talks about one Minnesota. He wants one California. He wants one Venezuela, actually, right. but, but that's maybe a little too much hyperbole itself. But he wants single-payer health care. He yeah. wants to be a sanctuary state, the only one in the upper Midwest. By the mm-hmm. way, the only single-payer health care state in the country. California rejected that. Yeah, right. They said it was too expensive. <laughs> um, you know, he's proud of his F from the NRA. He uh, is talking about a 35% gas tax increase as, quote, a starting point. And he's made $18 billion in spending promises per year um, that will make it impossible for anyone to live here anymore. So, uh, you know, we four or eight years of that and um, we're in big trouble. Yeah, and it's it is truly ridiculous. And I know you've made it uh, a uh, cornerstone of your campaign to point to the promises that Tim Walls is making on the campaign trail and just the the sheer expense and and the absurdity that we would ever be able to pay for this stuff and and somehow maintain a a tax environment that would uh, welcome any sort of business whatsoever. In terms of the value proposition, you know, aside from just stopping Tim Walls, which is a worthwhile effort in its in its own right, what's the value proposition of voting for Jeff Johnson? What what's your vision for what government can do and should do on behalf of the people who live in Minnesota? It is all about first of all focusing on people over government. That is absolutely crucial, and that is the fundamental difference between the two of us. But it's about creating more opportunities for people. There are things that government can do. Also, there are things that government shouldn't do that allow people to make choices for themselves, to create greater opportunities for them to have better jobs, to find careers rather than, you know, holding two lower wage jobs. We're actually just exploding with activity in this state because we're not chasing away entrepreneurs. And, and, um, you know, we got young people who actually choose to stay here. Uh, even in greater Minnesota, rather than than um, than end up somewhere else because the better opportunities are there, and and just giving people more control over their own daily lives, rather than having a government that wants to help us all make better decisions about our own lives or our own businesses or our own farms or our own kids. Um, government understands that it is there to serve us as opposed to control us and direct us. And to me, that I mean, that when I talk about changing that culture in our state agencies, that is so personal for people. Tim Walls will not do that, um, but we will. And, you know, whether I'm talking to a sportsman or woman about how their DNR treats them or talking to a daycare provider about how DHS is regulating them out of business or talking to a farmer about the the MPCA or talking to you know, any local official about the Met Council or the Department of Labor with small business owners. And just right on down that list, almost everybody I talk to is frustrated with the way government is treating them. And that is, we need to roll that back, not because government should never do anything. Government plays an important role in our society. But our state agencies, many of them don't seem to understand that their purpose to exist is to serve us and to help Minnesotans succeed. And, you know, that's that's the vision. We, we need to get to that point because we used to be at that point in Minnesota 30, 40 years ago. 
uh, we're not there anymore. We're talking with Jeff Johnson, Republican candidate for governor here in the state of Minnesota. Johnsonforgovernor.org is the website. You can check out, learn more about the campaign. Uh, do you have uh, another 10 minutes or so for us? Sure. That'd okay. be great. All right. We'll go to a quick break. We'll come back and we'll get into more of the digging into these new fundraising numbers that have come out and uh, the implications for the remainder of the general election race. Jeff Johnson on the line. Closing argument. My name is Walter Hudson. Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130, 103.5 FM, com. The show is going to be preempted tomorrow night for your beloved sports. But, of course, there's a, it's a big news day tomorrow. We got the Kavanaugh hearings that may or may not actually occur. Uh, there's some other news that we're expecting tomorrow. So I'm planning... We're planning to do something on Facebook Live. Now, what the exact nature of that is, is kind of up in the air because we've been dealing with some technical things that we're trying to figure out. But expect something. And in order to tune into it, you'll have to go into Facebook, onto our Facebook page, Closing Argument with Walter Hudson. Just do a search for that. Make sure you like it. Make sure you set it to be notified uh, on your notifications. And you'll be able to follow whatever we come up with tomorrow night. And uh, hopefully it'll be uh, something. Well, there'll at least be a podcast, so you can expect a podcast around this time of night. Yeah, there will at the very least be a podcast, so there you go. All right, closing argument. My name's Walter Hudson, Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130, 103.5 FM, 651-989-5855. We go back to Jeff Johnson, Republican candidate for governor, who is with us on the phone. We've been talking about your campaign, bringing people up to speed. Now, one anecdote that I recall from the immediate aftermath of the primary was you said you got a, a phone call from President Donald Trump and that one of the first things he said was, isn't it nice to win when everybody said you wouldn't? <laughs> yeah, it was actually a great, I, I've never met him. I'd never talked to him before, um, but he called and uh, and he, he started out by saying, hey, buddy, nice job on the election. And he said, isn't it fun to win when everybody thinks you're going to lose? So he, he 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 was either paying attention to the race or somebody at least filled him in on the race. And, sure. Um, and we just learned today that he's coming to town next week, which will be great. Fantastic. Good to know. That's the first I've heard of it, so looking forward to that. Well, so I hope, I hope it's been announced, but yeah, he's coming to town next well, week. Well, <laughs> by, by no means, take, don't take what I haven't, haven't heard as indication of what the rest of people have. You know, it's, it's kind of uh, hit or miss around here. But in, in terms of just that characterization, you know, you, you've been characterized as an underdog from the start, and that, that carried through the primary, and you surprised everyone on, on the, the evening of the primary. And it's continuing into the general election, where you've generally been regarded as, as somebody who is trying to catch up with the inherent advantage that Tim Walz has, merely by virtue of the fact that he's a Democrat in what has historically been a blue state. And yet we see the release of these fundraising numbers today, wherein you guys are right neck and neck in terms of the money that you've raised. Talk about that. Talk, is, is this in line with your expectations and, and how does it affect your momentum going forward? It, it is in line with the expectations. Our goal was in that seven week period, uh, which was this reporting period up until last week, was to raise uh, over a million dollars, and with with the public subsidy, we actually raised over 1.3 million dollars. About the we actually raised, I think, 15 percent more than him in actual contributions. It's mm. just the DFL subsidy 
is $110,000 bigger than the Republican subsidy because gotcha. more DSLers check that box off because they like to spend right. um, tax money right. <laughs> more than Republicans do. So it, it, it was it was good. And I think, you know, when you talk about being the underdog, I don't know if I'm the underdog or not. I think it's probably a pretty close race. I pay absolutely no attention to polls because I was, I think I was 18 points down to plenty a week before the election and one by nine. So I don't think they're of much value. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I can tell you is if I had to guess today, we may be just a little bit behind because Walls has spent, uh, I think, 2.1 or $2.2 million already, much of it on television um, during that primary. He was on broadcast TV with uh, positive feel-good ads. I think we spent around $100,000 on TV. We spent a total of about 700000 So he's outspent us more than three to one already. Um, and we both have spending limits, by the way. So I actually have a lot more room to spend in these last six six weeks than he does, as long as I keep raising the money. So I feel really good. I think the momentum is with us. Um, the, the money continues to come in, and I'm working it really hard, as is Donna Bergson, my running mate. And that's going to... That's going to make all the difference in the world because it is. You know, it's, we'll win with the message, and he doesn't have a message. His message is, you know, just happy talk, but it, he doesn't say anything of substance at all. Um, he's very good at happy talk, by the way, but it, it, there's just nothing there. And we're talking about substance and change and, and more choice and control over your own health care and lower taxes so that you can keep more of what you earn and spend it on your own family and actually enforcing immigration laws. Um, and, and that message is resonating with people, but frankly, you need money to get it out. And so that's, it's very encouraging. Yeah, it's definitely encouraging to see how your campaign has done in terms of fundraising so far. Of course, that what the campaigns raise is only part of the equation. You also have the activity of these outside groups and, of course, the, the political parties themselves that have varying degrees of, of ability or demonstrated ability to raise money. How does that affect the dynamic, particularly in, you know, we, we had the headline in, in recent days of the Republican Governors Association that pulled you know, their reserved block of television time. Are, are you feeling overall as though your campaign's getting support from outside? Yes. I mean, we're going to get outspent by a lot on the outside, and, and that's been the case with Republicans in Minnesota for, you know, probably 20 years now. The Alliance for Better Minnesota, the lefty group that goes after Republicans, I think has spent almost $2 million against me on TV already with six weeks remaining. So they may spend 3 to $4 million against me, and I don't think there's been a penny yet spent against walls from the mm. outside. Uh, my hope is that's coming. We hear that, that they're, you know, obviously we can't coordinate, but we hear that they're, you know, there, there will be something there hopefully very soon. Uh, and the RGA didn't pull all their money. They they pulled a, a piece of their money, but I still think they have $1.2 million reserved for the end. Okay. And um, they have made it clear that they're just going to keep an eye on the race. And, uh, you know, my hope is that they are here to help, but our plan is, is based on winning without their help. So <clears throat> I would love it, but it's not crucial. Um, and, you know, we, we went into this knowing that there would probably be a pretty significant outside spending disadvantage. Um, and you know, we've already seen it by a lot in the race. It's, it's one of the re- when I say that I might be a little bit behind, part of it is that he's outspent me three to one. And the other part is that, you know, I'm just getting pummeled on television by a very false ad about pre-existing conditions and, and health care. 
um, an ad that we're going to answer ourselves probably with our, our second commercial. Yeah, let's let's talk very briefly because we're running low on time. But uh, about issues, and specifically, you know, Brad and I uh, on this program have spent a fair amount of time talking about what we perceive to be a need uh, um, amongst Republicans, particularly in this state, because it has traditionally been a blue state, to shake things up and to take risks and to to be more willing to throw their chips in the middle, uh, as it were, and and really be bold with policy prescriptions and attacking issues. I, I know that's something that's that's been on your mind and has been uh, one of the one of the cards you've been willing to play during your campaign. What would you cite you know, in terms of maybe one or two issues or stances you're you're taking and making a, a pillar of your campaign that that really stand out as those those bold messages that you're trying to put out there for Minnesotans? Well, I, I mean, the biggest one is actually that overarching issue that we are going to go in and we are going to clean house in our state agencies. And, um, you know, I've, I've never actually heard a candidate uh, say that before because, you know, the, it, it's so hard to do to actually remove people who aren't doing a good job or who aren't doing their job or who don't understand that their role is to serve. So to me, that is by far um, the most important you know, issue of, of shaking things up or example of shaking things up that we can bring about. Um, I've also been talking a lot about just legislative or government reform in general, um, simple things like whether it's term limits or whether it is uh, not signing omnibus bills mm-hmm. that uh, violate the Constitution or it is, you know, bringing pay for performance actually into the legislature and the governor's office and saying if you're the governor and legislative leaders and you can't get your budget passed within the allotted time. You don't get paid during a special session. Um, and, and and some rulemaking reform ways to really rein in our state agencies, many of which are out of control. That one really resonates with people, and it's something that, um, you know, can, candidates like to talk about kind of on the edges um, but aren't willing to just go all in and say these are some specific and very difficult things we're going to do. Um, and then... With respect to the the size of government, um, you know, people get scared when they hear, well, you're going to slash programs. And I've never talked about that. But what I do say is that after a 53% increase in state spending, there's actually room to reduce. And my first budget is going to be smaller than the last budget, which I think will be the first, maybe the second time in the last 50 years that that's happened in Minnesota. And when you explain that, as not we're just going to go in and cut 5% out of everything, but we're going to actually figure out what's working and what's not mm-hmm. and fund those programs that work and stop funding those programs that just make us feel good. That really does resonate, especially with independent voters. Sounds great. Jeff Johnson, candidate for governor, running as a Republican here in the state of Minnesota. You can find out more at johnsonforgovernor.org. You did mention that President Trump is going to be coming. Is it next week? Yeah, I believe it's next Thursday. He's coming down to Rochester for a big rally. I, I, I'm not sure I have the date right, but I believe it's next Thursday. All right. Yeah. Well, well, certainly people will be able to find out more at johnsonforgovernor.org. Appreciate yeah. you spending so much time with us tonight, and uh, best of luck on the campaign trail. Thanks. Thanks, Walter. Bye-bye. Bye. Closing argument. Let's hear from you. 651-989-5855. My name's Walter Hudson. Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130, 1035 FM, twincitiesnewstalk.com.